Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with the Vice-Captain of the Clarence Roos, Nicole Bresnahan, the Glenorchy Magpies, Diana Lynch, from the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, Rebecca Privatelli, plus our State League's wrap with Lauren Hodgson and Matthew Cox. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. A friendly night, this podcast airs as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne on the RSN Racing and Sport app and via rsn.net.au. Alternatively, like you've probably just done, you can download this podcast from SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts by searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Just a friendly note, we're bringing you the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Preliminary Final this Sunday. Sunday from 11am, Collingwood versus Geelong at Stannard Stadium, better known as North Port Oval in Port Melbourne. Again, live on air, 11am this Sunday, and our commentary will be matched to the vfl.com.au video stream, which begins at about 20 to 12. So do join us this Sunday. Happening this Saturday down in the Apple Isle at Utah Stadium is the grand final of the Tasmanian State League women's competition. It's Clarence versus Glenorchy, and we've got representatives from both sides joining us. First of all, the vice-captain of the Clarence Roos, Nicole Bresnahan. Nicole, how are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Pete. How are you? Not too bad at all. The hours are counting down until the grand final. First of all, how are you feeling? Yeah, pretty nervous, actually, to be honest, but no, excited at the same time. Well, let's flash back for a moment for the Roos. Obviously, a very successful club uh, throughout the history of the TSLW. This year, you finished uh, second on the table after the home and away season. How would you rate your season to date? Yeah, no, we've had a um, really great season, I thought. And I think we've peaked at um, the right time this year, um, which is something we worked on um, from last year. But um, at the start of the year, we struggled with numbers and injuries for a bit there. But um, it's great to have back for selection going to the grand final this weekend. You actually got to the grand final the direct way by winning the major semi-final, knocking off the minor premiers, Glenorchy. Uh, what do you felt went right? What clicked in that semi-final? Yeah, no, we had a, we had a really great um, last Ross game against Glenorchy and then also, of course, the semi-final. Um, I think a couple of girls um, having played in a few different positions um, over the past couple of weeks um, really made an impact. And I think that's um, what helped us really click as a team and um, gather some momentum there. Um, but I still definitely think Lenorki will have more to bring to the table this weekend, so I guess we can't be too complacent. Now, with that, that meant you had the week off. How did uh, Coach Andy Smith approach having that week off with you, uh, I guess, not playing any football? Did he ramp up training a bit more, or did he, in fact, go the opposite way? Did he lighten the load because we're at the back end of the season? Um, yeah, it was really great to actually have the week off. I mean... Um, no pressure, I guess, um, getting that ticket into the grand final. But, um, yeah, we definitely need to adjust the training a bit. We um, went through a bit of game simulation um, over the weekend, which was a slightly harder session. But, yeah, we'll definitely take it off this week. So what's the build-up been like coming into the grand final, which is a little bit unique. You're two Hobart-based sides, Glenorchy and Clarence, and you'll actually be playing up in Launceston, Utah Stadium. Um, what's the feel been like around the club as, as we build up to Saturday? Um, I think, yeah, our preparation's been quite good. We've um, got quite a few girls in the team who've never played a grand final before, so that's definitely um, really exciting for them um, and all the girls, really. But um, obviously going out in straight sets last year was um, quite disappointing. 
Um, but we've done things quite differently this year um, to make, obviously make sure that didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I think definitely having a coach that's uh, coached in multiple finals and um, grand finals has really helped also with that preparation. Now, everyone expects, of course, the stars at both sides to step up on the big day. But the one thing that we always look at is the second or third tier players. Who's going to be the player that's going to have a blind, that's going to play out of their skin to try and help their side over the line to win the premiership? Um, From your point of view, Nicole, who's really been performing well? Who's been peaking at the right time this season? Who looks like they could be due for a blinder on grand final day? Well, hopefully everyone has a blinder, but... um I think our last two games against Milwaukee, what really got us across the rock line was a whole-of-team contribution. Um, I mean, we really had some key players step up, but everyone in the team played their role well. Uh, we had Madison Smith and Jacinta Limbrick um, really good up forward all year, and Rachel Archer really putting in some good games down back. Um, but I think we got into the grand final um, on a whole-of-team contribution, so I think in order to win this weekend, we're probably going to have to do the same thing. And one final one before we let you go, just looking a little bit further beyond the uh, grand final, um, because we know North Melbourne will be in the AFLW next year, and of course it'll be the North Melbourne Tassie Kangaroos with Tassie girls playing for North Melbourne. Has there been extra hype and attention and media coverage around the Tasmanian State League women's competition because of that anticipation of who's performing really well and who will be possibly playing for the Kangaroos? Um, yeah, there has been a little bit. We've um, obviously already... Um Madison Smith drafted, and um, I guess it makes girls a bit more nervous. That um, a little bit more depends um, on the game on the weekend. Um, but anyway, we're still all there, um, obviously for the grand final and to win for our team. But um, yeah, that does definitely make it a bit more nerve wracking having that extra set of eyes on the game as well. Well, Nicole, all the very best this Saturday as you take on the Glenorchy Magpies in the 2018 Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final. Thank you, Peter. And continuing our look at the Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final this weekend, we've got on the line from the Glenorchy Magpies, it's Diana Lynch. Diana, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. How's it feeling as we count down the hours to Utah Stadium taking on Clarence for the title of Tasmanian Champions? Well, there's a bit of a buzz around the club at the moment. The girls are excited. Um, we, unfortunately, uh, couldn't get the job done last year, so we're excited that we've got another chance. It's a long time coming, isn't it, for the Magpies? I think what you've had uh, nine attempts or something like that at, at trying to get this elusive premiership. Well, uh, our history. So we've been going for nine years in Tasmania. So um, yeah, we definitely deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about the road to the finals. It's been a good year, hasn't it, for the Magpies? You end up finishing minor premiers, two games clear. Yeah, we've had a great season. Um, to the testament of the girls and the coaches, really. Uh, and minor premiership is something that we all also haven't achieved in our club, so we've made history there as well. So, yeah, we're wrapped. It's been awkward. We can't wait. What have you noticed different this year compared to previous years as you've uh, built up and obviously had this successful season? Well, obviously, um, football's gone through the roof in Tasmania over the last few years, and we've definitely had an influx of um, youth. There's a pathway now for young girls, so we have had, probably five or six younger girls coming to our side this year, and it's a noticeable difference. What are the numbers like at the moment with the squad that you've had to be able to train with? We know in Victoria we're talking about numbers between roughly about 40 and 55, depending obviously on AFLW talent, etc. What's the squad you've been working with at the Magpies? Well, our squad's sitting at about 24, so we'd like that to obviously increase. But um, in the SFL, the numbers are growing as well, as far as I know. It's going through the roof everywhere at the moment. 
Let's have a look at the finals campaign so far. Unfortunately, not the best way you would have wanted it. Um, you had a tight tussle with Clarence, and they did get the chocolates in the end, uh, 3 12 30 to 1-5-11. Pretty tight affair to half time. It was only just three points of difference until they pulled away. Um, what's some of the lessons you can take out of that semi-final to, for your sake to hopefully turn the tables around uh, come this Saturday? Yeah, look, I think, I think we just lost a couple of opportunities before half time. I think if we had have converted them, that the scoreline would have been a little bit different than maybe, um, maybe, I just think in, in the second half, Clarence were the better team, I suppose. But yeah, we just missed a couple of opportunities in the first half. So I don't think the girls need to really change anything. I think that we've proven ourselves through the year that we've, um, we are where we are for a reason and, you know, find some comfort in your routine. I think we just need to go back to what we've done during the year. You managed to knock off Launceston on the weekend, 6-10-46 to 3-7-25, leading from start to finish. Yeah, well, that was um, that was a great start. So the first two quarters were uh, cherry ripe. That's exactly how we want to play our football. Uh, the third quarter probably took the foot off a little bit. Um, Launceston took the opportunity there. In the fourth quarter, we came out just in front. Um, it did get within four points at some stage. I think it was probably five or six minutes to go. And um, Glenorchy answered back. So that's another sign um, of what we can do, I suppose, when our backs are against the wall. So I'm pretty proud of the girls for that one. And the Barwick st- uh, starring in that match. Yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. So they're a, uh, a cousin duo. Their father's uh, quite well known around the club. So, um, look, those girls are just phenomenal. They get their hands on their ball on the ball. They're amazing. Yourself, you've got a goal on the scoreboard. You're named in the best players. You feel like you're peaking at just the right time. Yeah, look, we're up and about. We we are prepared. We've recovered well. Um, I try and remain consistent during the season. I like to continue to work on um, each week, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I think I think we're right where we need to be leading into this final. We're excited at Glenorchy. Now, obviously, leaving aside that it wasn't the right result that you wanted in last year's grand final, has there been any lessons from that, particularly, say, in the lead-up and the preparation to the big day that you've been able to adjust and learn from from last year? Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of hype around the grand final. Everything's just a little bit different sometimes. The warm-up's not right and um, there's the photos and the national anthem, which takes a little bit to get used to and... Our team has changed, but there's also a lot of depth there and, and they have experienced grand finals before. So I think um, not so much a lesson learned, but a, a, a more comforting feeling, I suppose. As we always say on grand final day, it's not necessarily the stars that get you over the line. It's always the second or third string players. Someone pops up and, and, and does something, plays out of their skin to help uh, achieve the, the side, get the ultimate glory. Who out of your players do you think has been blossoming at the right time? Who's just been, you know, one of those players that have flown under the radar that you're hopeful will have a big game this Saturday? Oh, look, you'll get me in trouble there. I can't <laughs> actually pinpoint anyone. But what I'd like to say really is that um, in the past, we've probably had um, a single goal scorer or a, a main target in the forward line. But um, as you can see, our spread of goals was. I think six people on the weekend and all through the season we've been trying to make sure that we have a number of goal scorers and it makes it hard for the opposition. So, look, it, it's there for the taking and I, I'm expecting more than one standout on the day to tell you the truth. 
The grand final is being held up in Launceston, despite uh, both of you obviously being uh, Hobart-based clubs. So there'll be the road trip up there. How many supporters are you expecting to head up north along with you to obviously support you on that big day? Yeah, well, hopefully we can get a few up there. Like, we're trying to create a stir down here. We need as many people as possible to come and follow the women's comp in Tassie. We're just starting out. Um, yeah, we need to get butts in seats. And it's, it's a great brand of football. So if, you, if you've seen it, um, you would agree. And finally, one last one before we let you go. We believe there's an honour for you coming up in October. I think being the first woman to play in the Relive the Rivalry game, which is a Legends charity game between the Tasmanians and the Vicks at North Hobart Oval. Yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a special day. I'm um, I'm chuffed, really. Um, it's a great cause. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it. I'm going to have a lot of fun with the day. There's a lot of people that are playing that I watched in the 90s, so I'm excited. It's going to be great. Well, Nina, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and your magpies all the very best as you take on the Clarence Ruse this Saturday, 12.30pm at UTAS Stadium in the grand final for the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition. Excellent. Thanks very much, mate. Just a quick note that the 2018 UNSW Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final was played over the weekend at UNSW Canberra Oval and it was Eastlake that took out the Premiership defeating Quimbian 6-7-43 to 5-1-31. Time to take a look now at the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Final Series. The preliminary final played over the weekend and the Grand Final this weekend. Let's get a quick recap of what happened over the weekend. We've got on the line our regular reporter. It's Lauren Hodson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, really well. Thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. We had the preliminary final over the weekend to decide who would meet Macquarie University this Saturday. And in the end, it was the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 4-6-30 just getting over the line against Auburn Penrith Giants 3-6-24. Yeah, look, definitely a close game, which is sort of what you expect in uh, in prelim finals there, Peter. Um, the the Bulldogs uh, were up by seven points at, at quarter time uh, with only a goal, oh, sorry, one goal, two on the board. Uh, they kicked a couple of goals in the second and one more in the third, but they actually remained scoreless in the last quarter, uh, but did enough with their defence to, uh, to hold out the Giants. Um, the Giants would be obviously disappointed to, to lose a prelim, but should be happy with their, their season to get to a, what I believe is their first prelim in the women's premier division. Um, so they've, they've still had a really good season. They're the only team that managed to beat um, Mac Uni during the home and away season. So, uh, you know, and, and Mac Uni are in the, in the grand final. So they've definitely done well. Um, but look, I think the Bulldogs experience um, in the end, sort of pulled through. Uh, the the four goal kickers for the Bulldogs are all individuals, Privatelli, Barclay, Ross and Keeley. And as for the Giants, they were also individuals, uh, Gay, Zurika and Kasem. So, uh, look, you want to see tight and close finals, um, and, and that's certainly what we got um, on the weekend, Peter. So let's have a look ahead so the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Grand Final. It's being played this Saturday, the 15th of September, 12.30pm at Blacktown International Sports Park, Oval 1, Macquarie University and the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, formerly known as the Stingrays. Yeah, look, it's, I think, again, it's going to be a really close one. Um, obviously, the, uh, the, the qualifying final between these two sides um, a couple of weeks ago was 
was a close game. Um, I'm actually going to tip the Bulldogs on this one. I think they're going to hand Macquarie Uni um, only their second defeat of the year. Um, I think, look, Mac Uni are obviously a fantastic side. Um, I think the Bulldogs have a little bit more big game experience. Um, and I'm going to tip them by uh, by uh, 10 points. Um, I think the key players for the Warriors will be uh, Laura Russell up forward and uh, newly crowned Phelan, uh, sorry, not Phelan, Moston medalist Pippa Smythe. Um, but I think the Bulldogs experience will get them over the line and uh, tipping Beck Privatelli and Jacinda Barclay to um, be too strong up forward and uh, and kick a few goals and uh, win the game for them there, Peter. And if I'm correct, if they win, I think that's the Bulldogs, formerly known as the Stingrays, third flag in a row? Yeah, yeah, I was looking at that um, earlier this week, and yeah, I believe you're right there. Um, if they do win, it'll be, uh, yeah, this this team's uh, third Premier Division uh, GF win in a row. So, um, yeah, it'd be, I think that possibly be setting some sort of record for top flight Sydney women's AFL. But, um, yeah, look, they've had a fantastic few years, and I think they'll continue that this weekend. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next. But we... I'll start again. Three, two. Lauren, thank you very much for... Jeez, I'm getting the stumbles. Three, two. Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to review who won the grand final and how they did it. Can't wait to uh, give the debrief and review of the match. And now joining us on the line, a woman who will be playing in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Grand Final. She had played football for many years in Victoria Star at youth girls level. Had played with the Darabin Falcons and the Eastern Devils. She played the 2017 AFLW season with the Carlton, the 2018 AFLW season with the GWS Giants. And she'll be running out this weekend wearing the jumper of the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. It's great to have on the line Rebecca Privatelli. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Like I said in the intro, you've been well-known in Victorian women's footing. We'll touch on your uh, career in a moment's time. But for the first winter ever, you'll find yourself up in Sydney. Of course, we know you went up there for the GWS Giants. What made you stay throughout the winter? Uh, yeah, I've been actually pretty lucky to end up at um, the Bulldogs this season. I got to the end of the AFLW season um, and I'll pack my bags all ready to go and I just Decided that I enjoyed Sydney too much and I wanted a change of lifestyle. The weather was too good up here, so I just my life and I stayed up here. So it's been a really great uh, couple of months playing up here at the Doggies. We've had a pretty strong season. Um, competition's definitely growing, and I think it's a bit like what the competition was back when I was playing VFLW, uh, VFL um, for Darabin when you know other teams were up and coming, but there was kind of those clear standout teams that kind of start at the top four and um, you can see the other teams developing underneath which has been really good so yeah it's, it's a great competition to be a part of as well and the club's been great. I guess this also swings into a bit obviously when you were playing with GWS and now obviously uh, with the Bulldogs and the Sydney women's competition but how's it been like trying to get used to the Sydney culture and we're not just talking about food and lifestyle etc but obviously around the footy culture we know here in Melbourne we live and breathe footy 24-7 how does it feel to be in Sydney where maybe one or two out of ten people will talk to you about Aussie rules? Uh, it's actually the most refreshing thing and it's probably the one thing I really enjoy the most about Sydney. It's, um, yeah, it's quite interesting when you go into a school or you talk about it in the workplace and someone will talk about the footy stores on the weekend and you'll you know, I'll try and jump in and 
take part in the conversation and they just look at me like we're talking about the rugby, not, not AFL. So um, it's actually been really refreshing, especially from a footy perspective. You kind of stay out of the loop a little bit. You, you get to focus on what you're in Sydney for. And I guess if you're there playing AFLW, um, it's a lot easier to keep your head out of, I guess, the talk around football at times, uh, which was really refreshing during the season. But yeah, it's like a small community. I mean, I think it just means as a club we stick together a lot at the Giants. Um, and it, it just makes us kind of focus on what we're there doing. But it's exciting when you see other people jump on board and you can you can see the growth in Sydney as well. It's been huge over the past couple of years anyway. So it is refreshing, but it's also good to see that it's growing and developing. Now, obviously, when you played footy back in Victoria, as you do as a kid, you pick the club that's nearest to you as you move to Sydney and move to GWS and then looking to find a state league club in New South Wales. You're essentially like a free agent. You can virtually choose to go anywhere that you want because you're not really tied to anywhere. So what made you go to the Bulldogs out of the clubs that were available to choose from? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really know much about the clubs. I was um, I was actually ready to come back and play VFL footy at the time. Um, and it was kind of when I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to go back to Melbourne. And I'd been out of footy. The AFLW season had kind of ended and it was a couple of weeks done. And I was ready to get back into some sort of exercise and get back into some footy. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know much about any of the clubs. And I went to a club, another club, um, and I went to their training and I sussed out what the competition was like. And the following, following night, I went to check out UNSW. Um, I trained with a couple of girls. A couple of them came and did some sessions with us throughout the AFLW season and some train-ons. And um, I got to train with them. And having that connection to them, I just hit them up with a message and said, what do you think about, you know, if I come up for a training tonight? And they said, it's fine. And I checked out the standard. And I was, I think the thing I, was, I really enjoyed the most was it had a real community feel to the training. Um, the group had a really good community feel. And... Uh, a really good social aspect to the team, but they also held themselves in a professional manner, which I wanted a good balance. Um, and between the two teams that I did go and see, I, I think UNSW showed that balance um, that suited me a little bit better. So yeah, I was really fortunate to stumble across them because I think um, they're probably one of those teams that they're kind of a benchmark in terms of having that professional standard. I think Matt Uni the other teams who are obviously playing this week that this year have shown they've been able to reach our professional standard as well. And I think it helps having girls who have been in the AFLW system who come back and then kind of lead the way for the rest of the club. Um, and I think UNSW is that really well. And of course, we know that they've won the last couple of premierships there when they used to be known as the Stingrays, now known as the Bulldogs. Um, is there any similarity between them and one club that you used to play for that had a lot of success, the Darabin Falcons? Do you notice anything similar to how it operates behind the scenes? I do. Um, I think I think it kind of mirrors the competition. As I said previous before, it was it kind of mirrors the competition and how the BWSL was, um, you know, three four years ago, where you had Melbourne Uni and Darabin who would come up in um, the grand finals every year. It's, yeah, there was there was um, other clubs coming up. You had Melbourne Uni who were always in the mix. You had Eastern Devils that were always in the mix. You know, those other clubs that were always in the mix. But um, there was kind of a, a standout with those two clubs at the time. Um, and I, I find that is how Sydney footy is at the moment. But the more girls that are coming out of the AFLW system, I mean, we had um, a winter series that ran in um, against Gold Coast and uh, Brisbane Lions, and we had two giant teams over the winter. And it was kind of like our needle. It was an equivalent for us 
um, to have up in Sydney. And I think it's a showcase that there's actually more talent out across New South Wales and, and these girls are being spread across other teams now and even they're getting better. So um, that Wizard Series had a huge impact on the on the competition, particularly those lower teams and those girls that are in those lower teams. It gave them a real opportunity and um, those girls coming through are even, you know, they're going, it's the same thing. They go back to their clubs. Um, I show them what they learn, and then, of course, the footy and the intensity increases at their clubs, and it's just going to continue to grow in that way, I think. Let's have a look at the finals campaign that the uh, Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs have had so far. Uh, you had the major semi-final where you went down to your grand final opponents, um, Macquarie University, by seven points in this semi. Uh, but you stuck with them for most of the way. It was just, I guess, a goal in the third term that saw them get the edge on you. Yeah, I mean, Mac Uni have got us every time this year. We've played them uh, three times down. I think it's been under eight points each time we've played them, and they've just gone over the line with us. So uh, they're a quality opposition. I think they've got a lot of depth across the ground, and I think that's where they've got enough in other games where you know, they've got a really strong midfield, and I think their depth in their midfield is what um, has really helped them over the line. But we came up against them particularly last week, so... Yeah, I'm excited because I know it's going to be a close one no matter what happens and they're always exciting to play against. They've got, you know, girls like um, Amanda Ferugia um, and Ali Brush, Pippa Smythe, um, two of the girls that came through the AFLW competition with me at the Giants and um, their depth just continues beyond that. So it'll be an exciting game to play against them, but we know that it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a hardball game. It's definitely going to come down to the end, I have no doubt. You had to go the long way to the grand final, so you went through the preliminary and you only got over the line by a goal in the end against the Orbit Penrith Giants, 4-6-30 to 3-6-24. Final quarter where they held you goalless, and they kicked one goal too, but would end up falling short in the end. Were you surprised by that result, considering you had like a 10-point premiership points gap on Auburn Penrith coming into this uh, game? Are you surprised they managed to take it right up to you? Uh, I wasn't surprised. I was probably more stressed in that last quarter. Uh, I think everyone was a bit shaken up because we did have the lead. We went into the last quarter. I think we were 15 points up um, and we probably should have held on to that lead, but we didn't. So we put ourselves under that extra pressure, but the way they move the ball, they're a very quick side. Um, they've got some really good ball runners in plays like Aneen and Wales. The way they run the ball together, they're hard to catch, but they're just, yeah, they're just smart footballers the way they use it as well. So, um, we probably weren't prepared for them to come out in that way. Um, but they, I think I, I give them total credit because they played for their position in the grand final. And, um, yeah, they're a quality opposition. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. They're those teams that are kind of coming up and um, they definitely stood up in the form on the day, whereas we were kind of on that back foot in the last quarter. So we, we need to learn to hopefully this week not, not fall asleep in that last quarter and make sure we can go out and play all four quarters. Because, you know, in a grand final, if you do fall asleep, you um you will get run over. So that's going to be a big focus for us, I think, is making sure we play all four quarters and um, don't let Mac Uni do what um, the Auburn Giants do to us on the weekend. Now, of course, you've got a number of star players in the side, being yourself, uh, Jacinda Barclay as well, who was from the GWS list. But the one thing, like, here in Victoria, we noticed in just the recent semi-finals that were played at Port Melbourne was that the sides that won, it was the second or third tier players in the side that really stood up and went to the next level. They got the respective sides in Hawthorne and Geelong over the line. For yourself, for the Bulldogs on Saturday, who are the players that you're looking towards that 
I'd say, your second stringers. They're not on the GWS list. They might not even be technically on the radar when it comes to the draft. Some may have uh, overlooked them that you think are, that are bubbling. They're, they're having a good finals campaign so far and could be the ones to really surprise on the big stage. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to the depth in your team and at the end of the day, it's those, you know, bottom tier players that are, are really going to win you the game. Um, we've got, same as back in, I mean, we both probably have a lot of depth. Um, players like uh, Jet, so Jet plays, she's captain up on the weekend. She plays across our half back line. Uh, she was really strong for us this week. I think uh, her leadership and her um, the way she uses her body in the back line is going to be really big for us. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how she plays this week. Um, Jasmine Smith, who's come back into the side recently, uh, she's a tall, she can play as a, a key defender, lockdown defender on a player like Laura Russell, or she can um, you know, play a rough kind of game against the Pippa Smythe or even in the midfield. So she's been really valuable to have back in the side. She played last week um, and the week before against Mackie, and she um, came back into the side really well. She fit right in and... Um, she was good for us because she gave us a bit of depth in our midfield. Um, and I think the other one for us is Megan Keeley. Uh, she's had a really strong season. She's one of those players that uh, goes a bit unnoticed, I think, with the work that she does on the ground. She's she's one of those inside midfielders that's got her head over the footy, getting crunched, but somehow manages to get a boot, um, get it to a boot and get a kick out coming forward. So they're probably the three players I keep an eye on this week. Looking at your opposition, star-studded lineup, as we said, uh, Pippa Smythe, who won the Moston medal on uh, Monday night, uh, your former GWS captain in uh, Amanda Ferruja, the fridge, and uh, Ali Brush. So they've got several leaders in that side, so they are going to be difficult to stop. Yeah, they are. Um, and I think the thing we noticed with them the first time we played them is uh, their quality, the way they use their footy as well, the way they use the footy, they don't just kind of grab it and get it on the boot. There are they look for each other a lot. I saw it particularly in um, the way Fridge um, and Brushy play. They they do look for each other, hit each other up. And particularly when the three of them can roll through the midfield or come out of stoppage, that's when they're most damaging. So I think it's going to be important the way we use a footy, making sure we're body on them um, all day and we put pressure on the way that when, they, when they've got it, when they're trying to dispose of the footy. Because if their strengths are there, the way they dispose of the footy and um, their ability to find the footy in the back of the stoppage is going to be important. We try and stop that this week. Could you give us an insight from your view as a player of your coach in Tracy Kick, who's obviously coached a couple of premierships. Uh, she was now involved in 2018 as an assistant coach of the DWS Giants and, of course, will be leading the Bulldogs again into the grand final. Can you give us from your view as a player her style of coaching? Oh, she's been great. I had um, Kick at the Giants as well. She was the backline coach. And, um, again, she was probably another reason why I did go to UNSW, having that connection with her. Um, I had a really strong relationship with her and um, she made me feel really part of the team um, and a part of the Bulldogs. So, um, complete hats off to, to kick her on the way uh, that she conducts herself. And she's one of those people that holds really high standards for us as a team. Um, she is, she knows what it's like to be in a professional environment coming to the AFLW um, environment at the Giants and then she, she brings that. Um, she brings that to the Bulldogs um, and the way she coaches us. So I give her credit because I, I have no doubt we've stressed her out as a coach the past couple of weeks with the results. But, um, yeah, she's been great with the way she handles it and uh, and the standard that she sets for us. Um, it's kind of a benchmark for us. And at the end of the day, you want to you want your place to play for your coach. And I think she does that really well. 
You've earned a reputation as a swing player, someone who can play either forward or back. When we first started calling you back in 2014, you were playing in the forward line at Darabin, and then the following season and seasons after that, you were thrown into the back line. Where do you find yourself most comfortable, back or forward? Uh, I've always said I want to be as versatile as I can as a player, whether that's back or forward. Uh, but I think I play my best footy as a forward. I've probably last year, I actually started this year, we came back from pre-season and kind of had the conversation at the Giants that um, I think forward's probably the best position for me and Al threw me forward and I think he felt like that was probably a better position for me as well and uh, played the rest of the season there. So I, I think that's my strong position. But again, I mean, you never know what you're doing a game. To have that versatility is something that I always try and um, hide my game on, I think. Now, for yourself personally, we know that you were at Carlton in Season 1. You were delisted and you took the opportunity to move up to GWS. Um, they had to delist a number of players. You were in that bunch, along with Pippa Smythe, ironically, that was also uh, uh, delisted. What are your plans for this draft coming up in October 23 and the 2019 AFLW season? Will you throw your hat back into the New South Wales draft or, or are you still making that last-minute decision on, on where you might put your hand up to go? Uh, no, I'm not nominated for the draft this year. I'm actually working as a giant full time now, so I'm pretty comfortable in that role. I really enjoy Sydney and I absolutely love the club. So um, I started following the AFLW season this year that I'd take a break from um, playing footy at that level or, I mean, re-nominating to play at that level. Um, so, yeah, throwing, throwing my time into other things and um, seeing you know, what I can get out of being in it from a different position and looking at things a little bit differently than what I have in the past. But, yeah, I mean, the Giants is the place that I want to be in the club that I want to be at. So being able to work there and having the opportunity, particularly at the moment with finals coming up and being a part of that, it's just special to be a part of. So um, that's been unreal lately. And, yeah, I love, I love being up in Sydney and I, I love being at the Giants at the moment. And we should state in no way retiring because even though it seems like you've been a veteran around for many years, since particularly through yeah. Youth Girls, you're only still 23. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not um, calling time on my footy career yet. I mean, I'm loving playing at UNSW and I'm really enjoying living in Sydney and working as a Giants, as I said. So um, I don't know what I'll say in 12 months' time. Um, I have no doubt I'll be around the club and watching the girls training. I'll definitely miss it and have an urge to want to want to be back out there but um, yeah for this year I'm just going to focus on my work and um, playing local footy really enjoying my footy again that's probably one of my main focuses is just being uh, we find a passion for footy that you know the reason why we all play is our passion for footy so just been trying to find that passion and, and the reason why I love footy again and it is really how we do that so we'll see in 12 months but yeah hopefully um, I'm not hanging up the boost yet. <laughs> Well, Beck, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best this Saturday with the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs as you take on Macquarie University in the Sydney AFL Women's Premier Division Grand Final. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. Time to look at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition where the semi-finals were played over the weekend. And on Monday night, there was also the Lambert Pierce medal count. And to review it all, I've got on the line our league caller here at RSN Carnival in Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very good, Pete, as always. It's been uh, another big weekend of football. We had the, the first weekend of finals, plus we've also had 
the best and fairest uh, awarded on Monday night. So uh, been a big week, got a bit of news to get through. Yeah, a bit interesting with the uh, VFLW best and fairest as they've reinstated most of the old VWFL medals. The Rowena Young for the top goal kicker for the year. Uh, there is also the Debbie Lee medal. I guess it's, you could almost call it the best rookie award or a player under 24. Um, there is also the Lisa Hardiman medal, which we handed out on grand final day for best on ground. And the Helen Lambert medal for the VFLW Best and Ferris is now known as the Lambert Pierce medal for both Helen Lambert and Daisy Pierce, awarded, obviously, to the Best and Ferris in the competition. For the first time on Monday night as well, nice to have the uh, Best and Ferris awards, or all the awards named after some of the past awards that have been given out from the old VWFL. We're keeping that link to history, which... I say is incredibly important when we're telling the story of women's football. So it's nice to see that they are in place and also recognising the achievements of Daisy Pearce more recently, uh, given her how big she's been as a trailblazer for the competition. So uh, great recognition there. And uh, as you said, first time on Monday night it was awarded and it went to Jess Duffin of Williamstown. She had 20 Three votes racked up on Monday night. Coming in at second spot was Lauren Pierce. Uh, a little bit of a surprise for me from the Darabin Falcons, racking up 17 votes on Monday night. Angela Foley from the Northern Territory Thunder uh, finished in third spot with 16 votes. Duffin was also named captain of the team of the year on Monday nights. The coach of that was Penny Culeo. Cooler Reed in her inaugural season as coach, of course, uh, taking Collingwood to the minor premiership in 2018. So well justified that award. We all knew that Darcy Vesio was going to get the Rowena Young medal, given her nine goal performance on uh, in the last round against Essendon, finishing with 26 goals. And the Debbie Lee medal, the Rising Star Award, went to Jane Van Dyke from Hawthorne, a player that Paddy Hill has been pumping up uh, over the course of the season, no doubt. Her name will be up in lights come the AFLW draft in just over a month's time. So well done to her. I was able to catch up with Jess Duffin in the press conference following her winning the Lambert Pierce medal. Here's what she had to say. Congrats on the win. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) How'd you rate your own season? Um, not that highly. Um, yeah, I kind of just obviously tried to do my bit for the team and um, Williamstown being a new club was more about um, trying to develop those younger kids that were coming through and um, yeah, just fortunate that something like this happened. Have you seen your position at the club allow you to play a different role on the field that you hadn't played before? Not really. I don't think about that um, when I'm actually playing. It's more off the field um, that I have to remind myself I'm a leader because sometimes um, I get a bit white line feverish and um, got to pull myself back in. So, yeah, I didn't really think about that when I was playing. What does it mean to win the, the new best and fairest with the, the uh, Lambert Pierce Award? Yeah, well, like I said up there, I'm a bit um, still in shock about it. Um, and again, I'm more about the team than I'm about individual awards. But I suppose when you do put a lot of effort into um, making sure that your game um, is still going up uh, with others, um, yeah, it's kind of a surprise. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Can you talk us through the decision to play for Williamstown this year? 
yeah, it was kind of an easy one for me with um, obviously Dymo not um, getting a licence. So it was more about um, I've got a big family history down at Williamstown. Um, my auntie recently who passed away, she was a um, big, massive sort of volunteer down there and she's got her own stats box um, named after her. So my sister also plays there. Um, and as I said, it's, it's pretty much um, my family club. So it's kind of easy once um, Amy said that, yeah, we'll have you down here. So And it's 20 minutes from my house, so that was even better. <laughs> Did it feel like everything was coming together for the club towards the end of the season when you won those three games at the end? Yeah, I think it was just off the back of us starting to believe. Um, it sounds silly, but it took us that long to start believing that we actually could win, win games of football. Um, but it's also the way the club developed. So, as I said, we had a lot of young kids that were coming through and to get a few games under their belt um, really helped us in the last sort of back half. What was it like being a part of a VFL standalone club given that you've played for Collingwood, you've now played for or will be playing for North Melbourne, played for Diamond Creek. What was yep. it like being a part of the Williamstown family? Um, it was a bit different. Obviously, um, they don't kind of get all the support that, say, another club would, um, but they're still their standards down at Williamstown are still very professional and they make sure that their players um, have obviously got um, probably not as good, but um, just as good, I suppose, facilities in terms of recovery and everything like that. Um, and the boys were great too. So Andy Colo, he was um, fantastic in terms of um, trying to bring us together and making sure that he was across our season as well. So it, it really did feel like the teams were kind of, it was just one club really. Did you ever get used to the wind at points, Jelly Brown? <laughs> I don't know that you can because it, it, it's not ever um, one way. It's always kind of swirly. So um, yeah, I don't think we did, but the other clubs didn't either. So <laughs> wasn't really a home ground advantage, that's for sure. We've seen you play all over the field this year across the two competitions. Where do you think your best position is? Um, I'm happy playing anywhere to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I did enjoy sort of being amongst um, the middle of the ground and um, being a part of our centre group. Um, but yeah, I can see why Collingwood put me back last season and um, probably why North Melbourne will probably look to do the same thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm obviously just happy as long as I'm getting a game. <laughs> Who have been some of your biggest influences in your football journey? Uh, probably my dad. Um, he's sort of obviously been there right from the start. Um, he put me into Auskick and everything like that. So my family's quite big in terms of getting behind each other. And um, so obviously it's not just him, but um, he was kind of big in terms of getting me started. And then obviously the rest of my family um, is happy kind of just seeing anyone do well. So yeah, our family's pretty tight. And can you comment perhaps on some of the younger Williamstown players you helped develop this year who might be on the radars of people in the AFLW in future seasons? Yeah, so we got um, Soph, Soph Van, who obviously was um, a part of that group named as kind of like the next um, group of players, and um, Megan Williams, Williamson as well. Um, she'll be a really good player. So just watching them um, get excited as well, just about coming to training or um, being able to play. Um, to them, it's just exciting whether or not you're at the club or not. But yeah, so that was kind of how they helped us a little bit as well. Cricket commitments? Yep. When does that all start up again? Uh, well, I've just flown back from Queensland, so I was up there yep. over the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, I'll go back tomorrow. And then, obviously, um, the, the WNCL season starts in two weeks, so I'll prepare myself up with Brisbane and then um, kind of fly in and out until Big Bash, and then I'll play with the Renegades. So it'll be similar to last year, um, just not with, obviously, this chunk because I didn't play WNCL last year. But, yeah, it's kind of... I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to certainly be busy. <laughs> And the commitment to North Melbourne, when does that start for you, considering you've got those other commitments? Yeah, well, it kind of already has. So we've been at the club already, um, unofficially, obviously. Um, but um, I'll come back and pretty much November, whenever 
um, the AFL announces when the, this first round is. Um, we'll work out when we're going to start training, but I'll basically be there right from the start and obviously miss you know, every now and then due to my crew commitments. And you were named the captain of the, the team of the year too for the Swiss Wellness VFLW. Yep. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, as I said up there, it means a lot. Um, you know, I kind of didn't look at my game like everyone else did this year. Um, I was just, as I said, trying to get as many wins for Williamstown as we could and not finish bottom of the ladder. Um, and fortunately, we didn't. Um, but yeah, any time you get named in, in the side, let alone captain, um, is always a privilege and honour. You did indicate on stage that you were perhaps a bit surprised, though. Uh, oh, definitely, yeah. Um, <laughs> my leadership skills... Um, are good but they're not great so yeah that that's that's from me anyway but I suppose other people see differently and um yeah I suppose I'll take it for what it is. North Melbourne you're joining a fairly star-studded team that all put together is there yep. anyone you're really excited to play with you haven't had a chance to before? Um oh lots of them um yep. but I suppose uh Katie Ashmore mm-hmm. um she's obviously elite um, and Emma Carney only because obviously I've had the history with her for cricket and I've often have to have to play against her and sometimes it's not nice so I'm glad to be definitely playing with her. What's it like coming up against people that you are probably friendly with off the field opponents on it and now going to be a teammate with? Yeah it's really hard because it's um you obviously don't want to hurt them because you want them for the next season but um, if the ball's there to win you're certainly going to go in and try and get it but um, I suppose it's just more about um, how they play and um, looking at the broader picture and making sure that you know they're still doing well so that next season um, you know we'll do well as a team. So there we are Jess Duffin winner of the Helen Lambert Daisy Pierce medal but it does raise the question we know that Daisy Pierce didn't play in the VFLW this season she was taking time off and of course we've heard the excellent news now that she is uh, pregnant with twins expecting that in March, that would probably suggest she might even take the next VFLW season off. With her name on the medal, has she perhaps retired from VFLW and will only play in the AFLW until she retires completely from football? Yeah, I I think, well, my my opinion is, given that she's out this season, you can imagine that she's played the last game in the state league competition, which is a little bit disappointing. Having said that, all the rigmarole and the recent weeks with how the AFLW is structured, maybe it wouldn't be such a surprise that she returns to the competition. But uh, a little bit sad if that is the case, that she has played her last game. Of course, we know she is incredibly loyal with the Darabin Falcons, so whether she could play against that side if they do remain in the competition too, might just be tugging at the heartstrings a little bit. But hopefully that means that she's around in the AFLW for a few more years to come. It does remind me of a story at my old cricket club, Middle Park, where a great uh, legend of the club, Gary McCambly, they named a batting award after him in his final year playing cricket there. And unfortunately, he was too good in his final year. And he, na- he won the award named after him and had to uh, <laughs> present it to himself on presentation night. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't surprise me with Daisy Pierce, considering what she's been able to accomplish in women's footy so far. It would just uh, put a nice little bow on it. But uh, let's wait and see. Hopefully we do see her back in the state league competition, but uh, she's, she's got a pretty busy 12 months ahead of her, that's for sure. And just quickly, some rumour talk as well out at the VFLW. Uh, one Melbourne University Premiership football in the VAFA. Uh, one Lucy Watson, also a caller with us, at uh, Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, was spotted sitting most of the night on the Darabin table and then at the bar afterwards with the Carlton crew. So uh, maybe being shopped around, maybe entertaining offers, who knows?
<laughs> or, or just uh, following where the drink cards were going. Uh, might be given the uh, premiership victory the other week for the Lucy. No, she uh, she managed to to get herself onto the the Darabin table and was uh, in full conversation alongside Lily Mithen, I believe. So uh, she had a great night as well. Well, hopefully she talked Lily across to joining Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. If that was the case, then uh, I fully permit that. <laughs> Let's... We can only hope. We can only hope she was doing her job. Indeed, indeed. Good on you, Lucy. Uh, let's have a look at what happened over the weekend when it came to football. It was the VFLW semi-finals. We caught both of them down at Port Melbourne. Uh, myself and Lucy were in the caller's seat for Collingwood and Hawthorne. 5-2-32, the Hawks defeating the Pies 3-3-21. The Hawks go straight through to the grand final at Marvel Stadium. The Pies have a date in the preliminary final next week. Yeah, an interesting result, this one for me. I thought Collingwood, given that they'd won the minor premiership, uh, would just win this game. Not comfortably, but get over the line. As the other side of the coin, though, Hawthorne, they've looked very dangerous since they dropped that game to Darabin about three weeks ago out of Bill Laurie Oval. Uh, since then, it's tuned them up nicely. They had a big win up in the Northern Territory, a good win against Geelong, and uh, now a good win against Collingwood. So they've knocked off some of the top sides of the competition in the last month. They've just tuned themselves up nicely. But having said that, Diamond Creek did a very similar thing in 2017 and unfortunately bombed out on grand final day. Hopefully, Paddy Hugh can learn from watching that and get his side up and about for grand, the grand final uh, in just over a week's time. For Collingwood, slightly disappointing considering the season that they've had. Didn't get a goal in the opening term of footy uh, and trailed for most of the game. Uh, as you said, only kicking three goals and three behinds. Hawthorne. Just uh, consistently doing the work. Uh, again, you were there, Pete, so you'd be able to give a, a greater indication into how the rhythm of the game went. The goal kickers on the weekend for the Hawks, Emma Mackey kicked three goals, the skipper for Hawthorne. Sarah P Perkins and Rosie Dillon were the other two goal kickers, whilst Chloe Malloy kicked two for Collingwood. Sophie Alexander, the other goal kickers. And as we flick across to the disposal getters on the weekend, leading the race was Michaelia Can racking up 21 touches. Dylan, in her addition to her one goal, kicked 20 touches. And I'll just skip back to Can for a moment because she also laid eight tackles on the weekend. Sarah Darcy, the leading uh, disposal getter for Collingwood on the weekend, racking up 20 touches, taking six marks and laying five tackles. But uh, a dominant performance from Hawthorne, I understand, and Collingwood have a bit of work to do this weekend in the preliminary final. Uh, what we found was Rosie Dillon was very, very impressive, stepped up her game in the semi-final, I think was judged best on ground, if I'm correct, by Patty Hill. Uh, there's certainly a big quote from her, uh, a big quote from Patty on uh, Rosie uh, that was tweeted out by the Hawthorne Football Club women's account, uh, praising her efforts and uh, doing her AFLW draft chances. No harm there. So watch that space for a smoky there in the draft. Also tomorrow, Luke, consistent as always. We just felt with Collingwood at the time that the AFLW stars were kept a little bit quiet. You said Darcy did get a lot of possessions. Malloy kicked two goals. Wasn't perhaps as damaging as she has been in some other games that we've seen her but quite compared to her usual very high standards, we should say, it just felt like that the Collingwood VFLW listed talent 
didn't quite step up to the occasion as the Hawthorne t- second or third string talent did. So that's a concern for the Pies, that can their next level players find the next step come this Sunday. Let's have a look ahead to a Sunday game. That Sunday just gone. The NT Thunder versus the Geelong Cats. NT Thunder 6-6-42, eliminated by Geelong 7-9-51, meaning the Cats meet the Pies next Sunday. Yeah, and it was a game that was played for a majority of it on the Northern Territory's terms. So they'll be very disappointed not to have come away with advancing to the preliminary final and being knocked out of the 2018 season. They had six scoring opportunities in the opening term. One goal, five, though, on the scoreboard. So they left the door ajar. Uh, Geelong only managed the two behind in the opening term, but gradually worked their way back into the game. It was a point the difference heading into the three-quarter time break. And just before that three-quarter time break, Pete, you put it out there that the draw was on the cards. And halfway through the final term, that was looking likely when both sides were 6-6 apiece. But thankfully for the Cats, uh, one of their prized recruits who's also just joined the AFLW list, Mia Ray Clifford, scored the last goal of the game to get the Cats over the line. They also kicked an additional couple of points in the final term. But Mia Ray Clifford uh, certainly, well, she she's certainly been a big pickup for the Cats and no doubt she'll be even bigger down at Cadinia Park during this week after getting them through to their first preliminary final on the weekend. She kicked a goal. The other goal kickers on the weekend, Cranston kicked two, Birchall kicked two, Purcell, who was dominant for the Cats. We'll get to her stats in a moment. She kicked one goal, and Danielle Orr was the other goal kicker for Geelong. Whilst for the Northern Territory, Radjic kicked three goals. She was impressive up forward. Roberts, uh, McCormick and Hewitt were the other goal kickers on the weekend. And as I said, it was a game that I felt was controlled by the Northern Territory until about halfway through the third quarter. And the stats matched up that theory. Uh, The possession, whilst there wasn't much in it, it was 51% the way of the Thunder, 49 obviously to the Cats. And the handballs were a bit of a standout as well. 10 plus for the Northern Territory, 81 to 71. And also for the Hicks. Uh, 129, the Northern Territory, 131, the Cats. So just using the ball a little more efficiently, Geelong, to get them over the line. Disposals in this game, Ebony Marinoff had another cracking performance, racking up 28 touches, laying 12 tackles on the weekend. Jenna McCormick was also pivotal for the Northern Territory Thunder right throughout the four quarters, kept trying uh, throughout the game. She racked up 24 touches in addition to her goal. Foley was consistent as well, racking up 20 touches, whilst for the Cats, their two leading disposal getters with 19 apiece were Rochelle Cranston and Olivia Purcell. Purcell also laying nine tackles, was prominent throughout the game, uh, along with Nina Morrison, a couple of Geelong Falcons that will no doubt feature highly on draft night, uh, potentially with the Cats, who knows? Um, but uh, they certainly showed on the weekend that on the big stage, they can perform. A good victory for Geelong, a disappointing way for the Northern Territory to bow out, considering they were one of the top sides of the competition in 2018. And 
who knows whether we might get a chance to see them again in 2019. Speaking to Tim Weatherall on the weekend, uh, mentioning the significant financial cost of putting this side together, the, the weekly travel, the fact that they're also spread across two states, it does take its toll, but hopefully we get to see them again because I think it's just given a little shake to the VFLW competition to raise the bar a little bit higher. And it's interesting to read on the Big Footy uh, Cats sub forum that obviously they were talking up Purcell and Nina Morrison, very excited about them, knowing that they're local talent and if they do nominate for Geelong only in the draft that they'll be picking them up. But uh, a name they did throw up there was Macalia Roberts from the NT Thunder. A few of them suggesting going, wow, if they could get her down to Victoria, she seems like an excitement machine. So she's one NT Thunder player that caught the Cats fans' eyes. Yeah, dominate, not dominated, sorry. She she had a lot of defensive pressure around the forward line, spent time running through the middle as well on the weekend, uh, was among the best players for the Northern Territory, just trying to find uh, stats on the stat sheet, uh, only managing the seven disposals by the looks of things, but did lay six tackles on the weekend. So uh, a good, consistent performance. She also impressed in the game out of Victoria Park a little while ago that we called when they played Collingwood. So uh, one of the, the bright sparks for the Northern Territory to keep an eye on moving forward. And that means this Sunday on RSN Carnival Digital Radio Melbourne, the RSN Racing and Sport app, rsn.net.au and via the vfl.com.au video stream, we present from 11am from 11.45am bounce down the VFLW preliminary final Collingwood versus Geelong. These sides met just once during the season and that ended in a draw. Yeah, in a game that obviously being so early in the season, I don't think you can read too much into. I think it was round two off the top of my head that these two sides played against each other at Olympic Park. On that day, felt Geelong weren't running at 100%. Collingwood, I think, had opportunities but didn't capitalise on it. Uh, and we know what happened throughout the course of the home and away season. This is going to be a fascinating contest, uh, considering what you said before with the Collingwood VFLW listed players. I wonder if they now settle into the final series, whether they were a little awed at being on the big stage at Stannard Stadium, Northport Oval on the weekend against one of the top sides of the competition, whether they just got a little starstruck on the weekend and whether they'll now settle back into a groove and be that accountable side that they have been throughout the 2018 season. Or will Geelong put in a consistent four-quarter effort? They had opportunities on the weekend in the first half. Uh, they started the first term uh, really strongly, but just didn't impact the scoreboard, as we mentioned before, only getting the two behinds. Second term was a little similar. The third term, they yeah, gradually came into their own, and then the fourth was dominated by them. So if they can put in a consistent four-quarter effort, there's certainly a chance and they're going to need to coming up against a Collingwood side that will be hungry to rebound.
Thanks very much, Coxie, for your thoughts. And we look forward to your commentary alongside Lucy Watkin this Sunday from 11am on RSN Carnival Digital Radio, the RSN Racing and Sport app at rsn.net.au, as well as your commentary being matched to the vfl.com.au video stream from 20 to 12. This Sunday at Stenard Stadium in Port Melbourne for Collingwood versus Geelong. The winner taking on Hawthorne the following Sunday at Marvel Stadium. Just about time for me to get on out of here. Before I go, a quick reminder, this program is available as a podcast on Thursdays by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football. It is easy as that. Until next Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company and bye for now.